0: Well, good morning and welcome to those of you who are in the building with us today and those of you who are watching online. Um, Charlotte, um, what our oldest member, is going to be 100 soon, and so there is a card. You may have had the opportunity to sign that this morning coming in. If, if you're not here today and you would like a message to go, then you can either email Elaine uh, or uh, Julie at the office, which is admin at uk, and we will put that message in for you. Or you can write a post-it note or, or something else and drop it in, uh, and we will include it with the card. We are thinking today about uh, the last um, part of the growing young uh, circle, the six core uh, areas that, that there are. Uh, and today we're thinking... Uh, about being a warm and welcoming community. Um, um, Adrian is going to come and do our reading for today and then Mary is going to lead us in prayer.
1: The reading today is from 1 Thessalonians, chapter 3 and verse, from verse 6. Timothy's encouraging report. But Timothy has just now come to us from you and has brought good news about your faith and love. He has told us that you always have pleasant memories of us and that you long to see us, just as we also long to see you. Therefore, brothers and sisters, in all our distress and persecution, we are encouraged about you because of your faith. For now we really live, since you are standing firm in the Lord. How can we thank God enough for you in return for all the joy we have in the presence of our God because of you? Night and day we pray most earnestly that we may see you again and supply what is lacking in your faith. Now may our God and Father Himself and our Lord Jesus.
2: Thank you that you are our Heavenly Father Help us each day to read your word and pray giving thanks for all you have done in our lives May we love you more and more We thank you for our neighbours May we do what we can for, for them in their time of need Help us never to take them for granted, but to love them just as you have commanded. Help us, too, to love the unloved. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, we read, May the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other. And for everyone. In verses 9 to 13, Paul keeps close to the Thessalonians by praying for them. Help us to do this likewise. Thank you that we are loved by the world's most wonderful lover. We pray that you. Your love may be seen in all we do and say. And we ask this in your name.
3: Amen. Uh, Morning. Uh, David's asked me to speak uh, in connection with the Growing Young uh, series about a couple of times when I was uh, a bit younger, new to the church, and was given a couple of roles of responsibility. Um, So for those of you who don't know me, uh, I'm Andrew Patterson, I grew up in Aberdeen, uh, came to Edinburgh for university, uh, and moved to a flat in Gillespie Crescent, so just out there, Um, and after a few years there, uh, having grown up in the church, um, decided, uh, admittedly when my mum was down for the weekend, and I was slightly nervous about coming along by myself, um, to try the church at the end of the road, uh, which was very welcoming, Um, you'll be pleased to hear. and a couple of years after I'd been in, coming along to Barclay as it was then, uh, so I would have been very early 20s at that point, the minister before the minister before, um, Graham Leach, um, set up a series uh, on Church Without Walls. Some of you might remember that was a big sort of Church of Scotland-wide project, um, and... Uh, Graham took that quite seriously and the church leadership did and set up a group of about six or eight people from across the church um, and for some reason unbeknown to me they asked me to, to join that group um, and I can honestly remember very little of what I contributed to it. Um, I was quite in awe most of the time we had a series of meetings there was people who I thought were incredibly senior, wise, deep theologically full of Christ's love people within the church that I was sort of sitting having cups of tea with, um chatting about things. Uh and at the end of it we produced a report. When I say we, I didn't write the report, many others did. Uh and we sent it round. Uh, I contributed one word to that entire report. Um it was sent round and said does anyone have any comments? And I very nervously and it's such a vivid memory for me, very nervously suggested adding in one adjective, so you know lawyers love adding in adjectives to this report. Um And John Ritchie came back to say, that's a great suggestion, that makes a really material difference. And you know what, I'm not exaggerating, that was almost 20 years ago. And the way that made me feel, that feedback, I still now, that feeling um, was so powerful. That someone who was senior within the church, I respected, um, thought that my suggestion actually made a difference. and I even now there's times I think about that at work when I'm you know maybe with some quite senior leaders in my business and I'm sort of making suggestions I occasionally have to kind of catch myself and think that was you know I have I have value too I'm recognized and I can contribute something just because I'm maybe younger than some of the other people around this table or drafting this paper um, that doesn't mean that what I have to say isn't all value um, and that's a sort of, and I'm I don't think I've ever told John that story. And I suspect he has no idea that that one-line email he sent had that impact. But I promise you now, it's still such a powerful memory for me. Uh, And then just quickly, because I'm conscious of time, a few years later, so by that stage I would have been about mid-twenties, we were between ministers, Graham had left, it was before Sam Torrance came, and Graham and his wife had run an amazing holiday club um, for a long time when they were part of the church. Uh, and then they left, and we had a year with no holiday club, Uh, and then they decided, the elders at that point, decided to try and rerun the holiday club, Um, and (laughs) I was asked to sort of organise this. Now, that was, again, pretty mind-blowing. I was mid-twenties. I'd only been at one holiday club as a leader before. Um, Most of the kind of key figures involved, again, were these people who, you know, Catherine Ellis, Elaine Hogan, Barry Anderson, people who've been doing youth work for 20 years, who were amazing with these children, who just seemed to have 100 plates spinning without any attention. Um, and confidence that that gave me and the memories of those weeks of Holiday Club, of just being in that group with adults and with young helper leaders, praying together, serving together, loving these children together. Um, it was incredible to see God's love working every single day day uh, and i was really not convinced i was the right person to coordinate it not lead it coordinate it um and i was driving and again this is such a vivid memory and it's you know probably 15 odd years ago i was driving past parmesan place church and i have no idea of what and they had a billboard outside i can't even remember what the billboard said but it was a quote from it was a bible verse um and it just leapt out at me and it be uh, no idea what it said um but whatever it said, was like, actually, yes, I should do this. This is the right thing for me to do. I was terrified of doing it. The idea of sitting with people like this all looking at me. Um, but it felt like the right thing. I prayed about it a lot. And the support I got from all of the other leaders um, was incredible. And that was me mid-20s. So those are two experiences I had when I was still fairly new to this church, where I still felt very, very young, both in my faith and my maturity, Uh and the trust and the confidence the church as a whole put in me, and all those many, many individuals involved, the love they showed to me, um, those are real, real cornerstones of my faith even now. Thanks very much.
0: Thank you, Andrew. It's good to know where to start when we have another holiday club. We spent a few weeks thinking um, about what causes some congregations to grow young. Those uh, we are familiar with, often are getting older and fewer in number, but some are doing the opposite. They are connecting with people, young people. They're, they're engaging their families as well. And instead of aging, these churches are growing young. So the question that we've been asking all this time is, what is it that is different about them? What makes them grow young when most are not doing that? And I think the main answer is they're being intentional about what they do. Research has shown that there um, are six core commitments that the the congregations have, and I'm hoping they'll uh, pop up there just in a moment for you. Um, The first one is unlocking keychain leadership. That's about what we've just heard, giving responsibility. Sometimes those of us who have been around church for a long time forget to step back and let somebody else get a chance, because we know we can do it. We know we're good at it. We know it would be easy for us. And they're not going to do it quite as well. That's the kind of implication that was on and behind that. But it's about giving responsibility and allowing people to, to take roles, new roles, different roles. Then uh, empathy, em- empathizing with young people today. They're not like I was when I was that age. They're not like you were. So what is it about them that we need to Learn. What is it about them that we need to develop and encourage? How do we help them to live for Jesus today? Taking Jesus' message seriously. Well, I hope we do that. Um, but, but, But it's one thing talking about it. It's another thing living it out. What difference does that message make in our everyday lives? Today, we're thinking about fueling a warm community, so we'll come back to that. Then it's prioritizing young people and their families everywhere. And I think, actually, for many congregations, um, that's something that we've struggled with. And being the best neighbors, young people are interested in the wider world, in climate change, in issues of poverty, of slavery, of injustice. You know, it's, it's not just about us and our wee place. It's about us as part of something much bigger. These congregations that are growing young, uh, as I said, they're making intentional decisions every day in what they do and how they do it and how to include and to love and equip younger people and their families. And so they keep coming back. And just to remind you that younger people Uh, that that we're talking about when I'm saying that are in the 18 to 30 bracket. The reading today, as we've heard, um, was from Paul. Paul writing to the the church in Thessalonica. uh, His first visit there is recorded in Acts chapter 17. And what you find is it was very short and it didn't end well. He and Silas had to be ushered away in the middle of the night to avoid their enemies. Uh, They had been causing riots in the city uh, to to stir up hatred against Paul and Silas uh, and their teaching. And yet, um, well, actually, what happened was then they went on to uh, Berea and Luke says the Jews in Berea were much more honourable. That's a polite way of saying it was much nicer. We had much more fun there. It was okay over there. Thessalonica, not so much. But we're told that even in the short time they spent in Thessalonica, some Jews, some God-fearing Greeks, and some prominent women believed. And it was to that fledgling church that Paul wrote these two letters, perhaps the first two letters from the New Testament. We're told Timothy had visited. And he's reporting back to Paul, and he said, look, there's there's genuine concern about you and Silas uh, from them. They're they're deeply concerned about you and and about the persecution that you're going through. And that was uh, the same the other way. There was thankfulness because they were standing firm against opposition. And there were prayers for increased love, for strength to live a holy life, and a real desire to meet again. I would suggest that's a sign of being a warm community. It was a community that had been formed in difficulty and trial, A community where life was shared, warts and all. A community that saw Paul and Silas were authentic. Their lifestyle matched their words. So those are some of the things that we need to think about today as we're thinking about fueling a warm community. And I want to suggest that structure alone isn't enough to grow young This congregation in the past has worked through and put into practice teaching and thinking about huddles and about learning communities. These are good things, really good things. And you're not alone in having put time and effort and energy into those things. We did some of that uh, even in Prestwick. But you're also not alone in finding that what started well with lots of enthusiasm actually eventually kind of peters out. Enthusiasm wanes, because structures are important, but they're not enough. For young people today, church means much more than a worship service or a place to gather. Regardless of how much time or energy or money congregations put into uh, making worship services great. And I mean, you know, we've, we've been very fortunate to, to have traveled a lot. Um, and, you know, we've been in, in congregations where the Sunday service was one of five that was going on. And, you know, you've got the fantastic staging and the smoke and the lights and the, the big band. And then, you know, the, the preacher's not even at the front. He's, he's over here somewhere doing something fancy. You've got all sorts of stuff to... Well, it's quite cold today because the is not working, but I did a service once uh, up in Caithness, literally with hat and big coat and gloves because it was f- so cold. You've got all of that and everything in between. And what we're saying is that it doesn't matter how much time or energy or money that you put into making it great. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't do that. The worship service actually is less important than many of us think. When the researchers asked young people how they would describe their church to a friend, only 12% talked about worship, and only 9% mentioned the worship style. Similarly, when asked what makes your church effective with young people, only a quarter mentioned worship at all, and 12% mentioned anything about music. So what do they talk about when they describe their church? Well, there were some words that were repeated over and over and over again. Welcoming, accepting, belonging, authentic, hospitable, caring. You can hire or buy cool, but you can't hire or fake warmth. Now, I want to be quite clear. These findings don't mean that worship planning and the style of worship no longer matter. Music and the style of worship can put people, young people, off before you even start. And not just young people. But the converse is not true. You can have the best band and the best systems and the best everything, and that will not guarantee that young people will come flocking through your door. The second uh, thing uh, is that warmth is in the DNA of the church family. By suggesting that churches need to grow warmer, I don't mean that adults need to be nicer. It's good to be nice. Don't get me wrong. But nice doesn't cut it with young people. It's not how Jesus responded to people. There were times when he was actually quite blunt... Quite in your face. Not particularly nice. Nice falls short of the depth the researchers saw in congregations that were growing young. Warmth is more than superficial community. It's like family. In fact, the phrase like family surfaced as the most common term that young people used to describe their growing young church. And we know... That families are not perfect. We know that families actually are often messy, odd, weird. We have our own wee foibles. It can be difficult, it can be brilliant. The metaphor of family is rich with images of hospitality, of welcome and unconditional acceptance, all of which came out in the research. And that, that shouldn't be a surprise because we know that young people, as we we, we spoke about earlier when we were talking about uh, empathy and empathizing with today's young people, we, we talked about they need to find their place. And in order to do that, they need to be supported and encouraged and loved and cared for. They need that in order to do all the other stuff. It turns out that young people are looking for warmth not as an add-on, but in the very DNA of the congregation. The warmth that young people are looking for isn't usually clean and tidy and that's fine because family isn't always clean and tidy it's messy and messy is a good word to describe what young people want from a congregation the desire not only to be open about their own messiness their own issues the, the, the things that they face but they want to walk alongside people who are equally honest about the messiness of life they're not looking for people who will go oh well yes Everything's fine When we put on that front They want us to say Actually sometimes I have questions and doubts Sometimes I have struggles Sometimes there are things that I just don't get They want us to be honest They want us to be real Then we find that honest relationships Build belonging Ironically it's possible to work against That sense of warmth by being Too busy because actually doing life together is more important and much messier than doing meetings or classes or clubs. These young people want a church that says you belong here. A church that's willing to accept them as they are and then authentically walk with them into adulthood in the light of God's grace. And what we find is that warm intergenerational relationships grow everyone young. And and I've said that, I've stressed that before. It's not just about, you know, young people. We all benefit if we do these things. Uh, The theologian uh, Miroslav Volf draws on communion of the Trinity to explain the warmth of the church. He contends that we are the church doesn't mean that we meet occasionally or we love a Sunday morning service or we cooperate on a project. Instead, what he's saying is we actually become part of one another's life. And that sounds kind of like Paul's exhortation in Romans chapter 12, when he says that each member of the body belongs to the others. Rather than see ourselves as a loosely affiliated group of spiritual people having simultaneous individual spiritual experiences... Scripture suggests that actually we are incorporated into one body. That means we are connected tendon to bone across generations as we work out our faith together. Most work with young people tends to be uh, devoted to building relationships with people of a similar age. And that's important. An age specific teaching is important. However, the research shows that churches with close intergenerational relationship show a far higher faith maturity and vibrancy. A quote uh, from the book that says, The good news is that when we bridge the generation gaps, everyone grows young. Cross-generational discipleship is beneficial not only for young people, but also for older generations who need the vitality of the young to inspire their faith just as much As the young need wise seniors to ground theirs. But here's the rub. I wonder if you've noticed a problem with all of this. You see, I don't know a congregation, including this one, that wouldn't say that it was warm and welcoming. And if that's really true, why does the Church of Scotland find itself with so few people between 18 and 30? Because if this says being warm and welcoming and caring and compassionate is what they're looking for, why are they not here? Now, I understand there's there's other things, there's five other areas to to work at. I get that. But we have to ask the question, Are we as warm and welcoming and accepting as we think we are? Locally, we can look to Central or Kings or even Chammers and see that they've got lots of people in this age group. But I want to tell you, they're the exceptions. There are some congregations in the Church of Scotland that are doing well with this age group, but the majority are struggling. This week I was sent homework for the growing young group to do before our next meeting that's coming up. And I'm going to quote a section of the email instructions that were sent uh, to me. And remember, this is to the 20 church congregations that are actively looking at how to grow young. that, That have realized we have an issue here, and if we don't do something about it, it's going to be a disaster. It says this, the first exercise asks you to think of someone aged between 5 and 14. That's good. We've got people in that age group. They're, they're through in the whole Fab. But it's not the 18 to 30. Think of someone aged between 5 and 14 in your congregation or your community, and what would nurture or support them in their faith? if you don't have anyone in that age group and your focus is on growing younger rather than growing young, you may prefer to adapt the exercise around the youngest person you have. So if the youngest person in your congregation is 36, think about what needs to be in place so that they have a lasting and vibrant faith in 10 years' time. So even to the, these congregations that have recognised there's a there's a problem, what we're saying is, most of us don't have young people. Most of us are struggling with its age group. We have an opportunity to respond. A word of caution. I cannot guarantee that any of the thinking, planning, praying work that we do around growing young is going to result in a vibrant, growing, intergenerational congregation 10 or 20 years from now. But what I can say is that if we don't act decisively now, the chances of having a viable congregation 10 or 20 years from now are slim. If we truly are a warm and welcoming Christian community, then we have a sound footing to build from. But we can't just assume that doing what we've done before is good enough, because it isn't. That's why we decided to participate in this program in the first place. And why I really hope that as many people as possible in the congregation will get involved in the studies in these next few weeks. The more people who read the book or watch the videos and think and talk and pray through what it means for us as a community of God's people. The better chance we have of growing young, but also growing in number of growing in faith, of growing in love, and growing in compassion, of growing into our community, of growing into the call and the vision and the purpose that God has for us. I hope and pray that you'll get involved, that you'll think, you'll read, you'll watch the videos, you'll talk, even if it's just to your friend, if you don't want to be part of a group but to get involved and work out what part you can play in helping us all to grow young. Amen. I'm going to uh, sing a a hymn now. The tune will be uh, familiar to you, although the words may not be, uh, but it's uh, a Him that says, Show me how to stand for justice. Father, we thank you for this time together. We're conscious that although our time here it has ended, worship hasn't ended, that we go into this world to worship you, to honour you, to live our lives for you. And now, as we go, may the blessing of God Almighty, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be with you and those whom you love now and always. Amen.